Everyone should be a salesperson, right? But not just sales for the company, but in our industry and what we're doing is coaching, consulting, and, or whatever it is that we're, we're helping people to do, all of us need to be singing the same song. We all need to be speaking sales to our clients as well. We all need to be supporting them. So we ended up uh, just branding it as the growth squad. Yeah. Welcome to High Level Hot Takes. My name is Matt Ticino, and if you are a high leveler looking for ways to take advantage of this amazing tool and hear about cool case studies of how it's being used, you are in the right place. If you're looking for more tips and tricks in all things high level, check out howtohighlevel.com after the show. Well, uh, Chris, welcome to Marketing with Matt. I am not Matt. Um, but I kind, of, I kind of look like him. You kind of do a little bit, I guess. Am I, am I doing it? You guys, you guys could be related. Is we get that question all the time, honestly. People are like, so are you like you and Matt cousins? Are you, and I'm like, no. You're not related. No, no, how did, no how did you and Matt meet? How did you and Matt meet? Yeah, so we met about 14 years ago in Argentina. Okay. And uh, our first interaction was on like a group trip that we didn't know each other. And we got put into uh, a, a team to, for a competition and we won. And uh, that's just what we kept doing year after year. And you guys just uh, became friends. Did you guys yeah. start the companies together? To an extent. Man, you're, you're like interviewing me now. Uh, That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, I like it. We, Matt started in about 2012, and I came on in 2019, actually yeah. as an employee, not as a, not as a co-founder or a equity owner or anything like that. And then over the course of about 12, 18 months, yeah. we uh, decided to kind of form, form partnerships. And so now we're, yeah, yeah. we're partners in, in pretty much every venture. That's great. Yeah. I have a question. Wait, real, real quick, who, who are you? Well, my name's Chris Faraci yeah. from Australia. Uh, no way. Yeah, married, two kids, having a having a nice life. We're in the states for actually. What, for a what few are a couple of the brands that you uh, that you own or, or represent or, or work on? Yeah, so currently here we're representing uh, White Label Suite. So we're an AI lead generation prospecting tool. Love it. We, uh, you know, we're fully integrated into high level and we're serving over two and a half thousand high level agencies, yeah. helping them prospect, sell leads to their customers. So we're having a really good time down So here. good, so good. You guys have such a good team. I really, really enjoy connecting with uh, with you guys. Nah, I appreciate that. So it, one of the questions you had for me, well, why we decided to sit down, you said like, hey, what do you talk about mm. when it comes to operations? So can you can you like elaborate or, or what, what was what was that question or what's driving you to ask that question? Okay, so, so here's what I, when I look at you and Matt, I think these guys are not just a couple of guys with a good idea. These guys know how to execute uh, a business, they know how to plan and strategize on how to run an enterprise, right? You guys are, are very organized, I think, in your big business structure. The way that you manage, the way that you lead people is done what seems to be flawlessly, right? And I know for a fact that it would not have been flawless. There would have been hurdles, lessons along the way. 100%. And, and what I want to know is, what what were those lessons, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you were gonna talk to someone who's starting right now, maybe they're getting some sub accounts, or maybe the agency's starting to make some money. What is the progression from solopreneur, maybe having a couple of VAs, to actually building something that that they can actually even step away from from time to time? And that's what I wanted you to reference yeah. with regard to before you telling me about the structure of your companies, how you got your ops managers, your directors, your, your marketing people. Like, What's the step that someone can take, like the natural progression? That is a, it's a, it's a great question. I was actually just talking with another um, agency owner that has gone from basically uh, solopreneur to about uh, 65, 70K in MRR. Yep. And over the course of about 18, 18 months. Yep. And I really like to use that person as an example mm. because I think what they've done is they've understood 
through coaching mm. at every moment of their growth, yep. what is the number one thing that's holding me back right now? I think it's really, really easy for folks to think, oh my gosh, there's so much that I have to do yeah. to be able to run a successful business, to be able to start taking distributions from the business, to start building a team. Mm. But in reality, if you think about a, uh, you know, a, a hose, if you're bottlenecked at the top, it doesn't matter how much things you, you fix on the, the rest of the way through, those, yeah. that's not going to increase your, your throughput at all. Yes. And I think it's really, really challenging, or one of the challenging things for us mm. that we've recognized over the years and that this person did incredibly well was to always seek clarity on what their bottleneck was and then go after that bottleneck with a passion until it was fixed. And then it showed or unveiled the next bottleneck. And so they've been able to go from basically... Uh, nothing to uh, a very successful low churn business with very few employees, so yeah. significant profit margins, Yes, while also working a full-time job. So it's been incredibly wow. impressive to watch them. I, I, I like, <laughs> I think it's been, it, but for most folks, they don't actually seek out what, it, what is their bottleneck. They don't seek that coaching, they, and, or when they do, they're like, ah, no, you know what, actually I know better, I'm gonna go focus on this thing, and yeah. that's where they get stuck and feel overwhelmed um, and, and, and struggling. I'd be curious, what, what's your, what would be your thoughts well, on that exact same question? Well, it's you interesting. you guys have been very successful as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember in the early days, like looking back now, I used to wake up and I used to think, what problem can I solve today? Mm. Like it was something that I cognitively mm -hmm. thought and, and said to myself every morning, like, is there something that could be done better with automation? Is there something that could maybe increase a conversion rate somewhere. I mean, this is when we're just like forming the company, yeah. right? When, you know, before GHL even, you know, with uh, with one of my other companies where everything used to just be like, it was like a, a Frankenstein of, of software tools from uh, Zapier to Google Ads to you put stuff through Trello, which is then going to Google Sheets, which is then triggering off like a click send text and automation, which would then send an automated email here. and. And it was just about how can we automate things so that our salespeople can just sell. And I was able to build a company back in the early days uh, in the renewable space, right? Uh, you know, solar or hot water uh, heat pumps, as we call them, that have heavy rebates in Australia, right? Uh, I was able to be able to look out at my team, we had about 10, 10 or 12 at the time, and go, every single person that's sitting in this seat, it, sitting in a seat here is generating revenue, apart from one person who's like our admin, and then one person who's actually managing the people to do it. And I, and I used to just think, how can we just basically build this lean and mean, to automate as much in the background to just make money and as much as possible. And I think having the mindset of just what can I do? What's the one thing I can do to find a problem, find the bottleneck and just work on it until it gets kind of like, I just got a massage from uh, like, you know, that's exactly what, what this woman over here was doing. She's like finding, where does it feel tight? Let's smooth it over. And I think that's how business works. Like you really just have to keep working on, and as a, as a CEO or as a operational manager, not being in the business, it gives you that bird's eye view, I guess, to be able to go. When you're in it, you can't see it, but I can see it and we need to fix it. And that's what, it, that's a skill set, right? Like, and I think that that's what you guys do really well. Like, how do you see that anyway? How you, do I see? Well, you just told me about a situation you had recently where you became aware of something in your company that yeah. was not as efficient as you wanted it to be, and you had to come back, come back in. Yeah. So what was your process of coming back in? I think when you identify that bottleneck, yeah. 
especially as an owner, you are uniquely motivated to go to go solve it because you see the drag that it's creating on both your team and your and your clients. And we almost refer to them in-house as like, you got your internal clients and your external clients, um, or yeah. you got your internal team or your external team. Like you, when there is drag and lack of efficiency in an organization, it's also causing somebody on your team to go home at night and be like, man, I don't like my job. Yeah. I don't feel like I, I brought value today. Yeah. I know for a fact, like we want to be on the leading edge of how we're paying our people and how we're compensating them and we want to create financial margin in their lives. That's not the only lever to, to pull. And in fact, it's often not the best lever to pull when it comes to uh, employee engagement or employee happiness, similar to how pricing may not always be the best lever to pull and how, you, uh, how you're interacting or how you're creating more value or, or less value for your clients. And so I think when you're able to like, identify the bottleneck, you're able to step in and say, we're going to solve this until it's complete. And being able to have that, that almost that singular focus, even though I know I'm working on 17 other things at the same time, yeah. if I can create that singular focus for my team, I, Matt and I joke all the time, we are not CEO and COO, we're CROs, Chief Reminding Officers. Chief because reminding. what happens is when you tell somebody something's important, they need to be reminded up to five to 10 times to actually understand that it's legitimately important. And you can do whatever you want in that first interaction to tell them it's important. And I think I've got folks that have worked with me long enough that, that don't need the reminding. But up front, you almost have to like remind people, this is this is how we do things here. If we're, we, we need to take this thing and we need to overhaul it and then monitor it to ensure that we've actually addressed the the bottleneck and I'm here to, to coach you through it, I'm here to, to yeah. but if I don't remind them two days later, four days later at our next one-on-one -on -one that it's important, they get so easily dragged back into all the other things that appear important. They're not actually important. They're just urgent, right? Yeah. It's so easy to get pulled away from what's important by what's urgent. And I think that's where having that clarity on your bottleneck mm -hmm. and saying this as a team is what we're going to solve right now. You just said something very interesting, right? I think a lot of people, a lot of founders, owners, when they see a problem, they want to get hands on and fix it. But you said something, you said, as a team, we're going to solve this. Mm -hmm. I want to know, your thoughts around a founder coming in, kind of pushing his team out of the way to try and fix something, as opposed to empowering his yeah. team to do it, and why that's so important. Hard. I think it's really hard, um, and I, I would love to get your, your take on this as well. How, how many team members do you guys have now? Uh, about Across, 20, yeah. about 20 in this so, company, yeah. Solving is not serving. Mm. Solving is not serving, because you are stepping in and removing the tension. You're stepping in and you're removing the problem yeah. because you probably have removed a similar problem in the past. So it's quicker for yeah. you and you're like, this is hurting my business, this is hurting the employee. I just wanna make it better, right? Yeah. I don't know about you. I don't know if you if you uh, do any of the uh, Enneagram stuff from like a personality type. Do you know that that personality test? Yeah. So um, one of my tendencies is to be a, a, a helper and that I think can hurt when I'm not empowering somebody mm. and I really struggle to watch them struggle which yeah. is okay. It's okay for somebody to struggle and work towards a solution because that's actually what helps them grow. That's actually what helps them feel achievement when they make it past the struggle. When I see somebody struggling, my instinct is to step in and remove the struggle and just yeah. give the solution, which is not actually helpful. Are there moments in time where that might be appropriate? Yes, but in general, you are not helping somebody be stronger for the future if you are stepping in and just solving for them. So that Matt and I remind ourselves of that all the time. We are chief reminding officers to each other as well. We have sayings um, like, what isn't, uh, what isn't 
measured doesn't like what's not measured doesn't get managed. Uh, solving is not serving. And so when we catch each other in yep. those moments where you're like, oh, Graham, you stepped in and just solved that for them, as opposed to letting them know the outcome or the issue and letting them basically step in and, and solve. I, I um, find those conversations that I have with employees in those moments are just a lot of questions. Mm. So, you know, just helping them understand. So, so what do you think the real problem is here and get yeah. them? But don't you think that maybe, and they'll go, ah, oh. so don't, if that's the case, then what do you think we should be? And I, because I want them to feel ownership over the problem and ownership over the solution as well, mm. right? And I think the empowerment, instead of just telling someone what to do, like I, I used to run a, um, a 360, uh, a 3D visualization marketing agency, right? I had like 10 staff over in Vietnam uh, that were working on like building apartment floor plans and creating like these beautiful 3D visualization products, right? And I remember they were so creative, but I got to this point and it's similar with graphic designers and it taught me a lot where they would show me something that they produced and I'd say, listen, I don't like it. Can you maybe, well, it's good, but can you maybe move this over there or maybe put this line there and move that there? And then they'd be like, oh yes, and then they'd move it. And then I'd be like, oh, maybe we could change the color a bit. And anyway, what ended up happening was they just got used to taking instruction and it removed the creativity. Right, they became line pushers, yes. yep. and now all of a sudden they needed me yep. to now be part of their process. And it was something that early on, like back in 2016, that I learned. I'm like, man, I, they're now not empowered to do what they need to do. They're not, they're, though they're creative, they're just basically pushing lines and using software. Yeah. And and I, I've I've noticed that in business, it's the exact same thing. You hire someone to come in and do a job, even with some of our uh, newest hires that we've, we've just brought on. It's reminding myself reminding us founders, when we have an idea, how we got to make sure that we tell them this is how we've done it. I've said, hey, 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 we got to step back and we actually need the fresh eyes. We need them to feel empowered. We can talk to them, maybe drill some ideas or, or brainstorm or mastermind a few things, but we need them to own the project, own their role, or they're only ever going to be looking to follow directions and the directions that we're paying them to actually be the ones to give to the rest of the team. That's right. Right, and, uh, and, and again, back to when you were telling me about the corporate structure that you guys have, I just think with the, you know, the, the line management and, and with the teams and with the different levels of, of employee and, and management and leadership, like surely uh, of, out of anyone, and I, I would say like a lot of people in this room, like you yourself have expertise in this, the empowerment of, sorry, the, the idea of empowering the leaders, the idea of support down, it's like you're a leader, let's support those beneath us to do the work, to, to basically um, multiply the workforce that you can do from the top down, right? Like surely that's what you guys are getting good at and the culture that's important to, to maintain, sustain, for people to be empowered, to do their job, to empower the, the ones that they're leading to do their job. Yeah, so normally I, I mostly interface with our directors as the people I'm kind of like pouring into and spending Fantastic. the most time with. But over the last couple of months, I've stepped into a role where I'm interfacing with some of our managers on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah. which has been really great, uh, really connected experience. And I yeah. realized something that I did for our directors that helped them have that empowerment, which is like a, a quick little strategy. Yeah that I hadn't done for the managers because I, I talked to the managers and I was like, hey, I, I just curious, like why, why, uh, why did this not, why did this not get handled? And they said, well, we feel like we need to wait for your permission. Ah, uh, okay. And I was like, oh, that's a miss. That's a blind spot. Yeah. I don't, 
I don't want that to be the case. So what I do that works well there is I say, hey, I, tr I trust you. I trust you to handle this. I trust you that you know what the outcome should be. And I trust you to, to get there even if it's totally different than me. But what I want yeah. you to do, if you're feeling like, hey, I just want a little bit of uh, help or knowledge, put it into my put it into the task management software and yeah. notify me and say, hey, this is the issue. Here's the context. Here's my proposed solution. And here's the time I'm going to act upon it unless I hear differently from you. That's good. And so I, I like never it. become the bottleneck now because yeah. they're saying, oh, if, if Graham really it, wanted this to be handled differently, he yeah. would say something. Otherwise, I'm going to move forward. It works really, really well as a simple way That's to awesome. just encourage your folks to, to handle the situation. And I've also realized that when you step into that realm of management, you have to be prepared for something to be maybe 70 to 80% of as, as good as what your expectation would have been. Like you have to be prepared to let go a bit. Like 70% is better than nothing. Do you, do you have kids? Yes. Okay. Uh, how old? Five months and two and a half years. Okay. So the, the five month old uh, probably start walking here in the next five to seven months. Is yeah. that is that usually, I don't have yeah. kids, so I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, and you have a kid that's already successfully yeah. walking, right? When um, when your oldest was learning to walk, I think as, as managers or as especially as, as owners and, and, and founders, we tend to get frustrated when somebody does something at you know a less uh, high of a clip at, at compared to us, or, or the efficiency, the effectiveness just isn't yeah. isn't there. What we don't realize is we've done that now a thousand times, and so of course we're we're good at it. It's the same idea as like would it, it would be crazy. I think, again, I don't have kids, so maybe I would yell at them and get frustrated when, they do, when they're bad at walking, when they try and take a step and they fall down. Yeah. But no, I see most parents, what do they do? They, they encourage when failure happens, Yeah. right? They're not thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe my kid can't figure out how to walk. It's like, yeah. no, it takes months of missteps and all, you know, to, to string three steps together. Yeah. Why are we different with our employees? Is it, is, I don't know, that's, that's, that's my question, is like we tend to move towards like, ah, dang it, this person's just like not cut out for it. When re, in all reality, they need, they need time, they need coaching, they need encouragement, they need relationship to continue to get better yeah. at, at what they do. And it would be insanity to expect them to come in and fill, like, fill your shoes, yeah. what, how you were doing it, uh, immediately. But I think that that's the problem that a lot of solopreneurs have. Yeah. Right? They're trying to hire someone and they expect that the person they're hiring is going to do it exactly the same yeah. way. Yeah. And what I've realized, even with um, bringing on like our marketing manager and our operational manager, is I I've had to kind of hum humble myself in every decision to go, there's not just one way for this to work. There's actually a hundred different ways. This is my way, but we'll still achieve the same outcome, maybe in a slightly different way, but I need to be okay with that because the fact is, if I'm managing them, at that degree, I will create myself another job. Without a doubt. And uh, on your point, when I was in school, I, I'd gotten detention for something, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I can't remember what it was. I was a bit of a joker back in the day. And um, during, de during detention, we had to write out the school rule book. Like that's what we had to do. Yeah. And there was this one line in the, the school handbook that, that actually changed my life in this weird way because it, it set a core value inside of me and it said a student can be punished for anything other than the inability to learn right so how did that how did that impact you what what uh, what was the takeaway the takeaway was if someone's really trying and and they're giving it their best shot and they're legitimately they're doing everything that they can possibly do to achieve the outcome but they don't get the desired result because they just can't learn it or they just can't grasp the 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 outcome like you can't punish someone for that it's like calling someone you can't, stupid you can't, yeah, you can't force it 
You can't force it. Yep. It's like, hey, this is just actually not the task for you or this isn't the role for you. Maybe there's something else better that you would excel in. You've legitimately tried. You've legitimately put the hours, the time in and you just can't learn it. Yep. How can you punish someone for that, yeah. right? It, it's just stupid. So as a manager, as a leader, we got to get into this thinking, well, where, where does the person fit? Like, where are they the best fit? And even with employees, it's like, hey, you're working at this job. You're working with us and you're, you're great for culture, but I, this may not be the best and most fulfilling job for you and the, the most fulfilling role for you in your life, you know? And um, I, I often see people get frustrated when someone can't do the thing that they need them to do. And it's like, if they're actually trying, I mean, if they're not trying and they're being lazy, that's one thing. For those employees who are trying and they can't achieve it, it's like, listen, I'm not going to call you call you stupid or think that, you know, you're... You know what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you, you literally can't. It's about placing, finding another solution. And as employees of uh, owners of enterprises, we actually don't have time to wait for people sometimes to catch up. We we have to move fast. We have to move them to other. You know, we have to replace because we have to achieve our goals as a company, right? And we can't wait for employees at the same time. Is what I found. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess just back to what I was saying, man. Like I, I respect what you and Matt are doing. It's it's Likewise. amazing. You know, to have all these companies underneath you, to have the structure in place, solving the issues, knowing when you need to move in, you know, and, and manage the things that, that need taken care of. I, I respect that a lot, and I think it's fantastic. So. Well, one question I have for you uh, that was really intriguing as we were talking earlier was as you moved into that CEO role within your company. Yep. And fun fact, we will send you all of this content. Oh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> don't, don't worry. Um, one question for you is, how do you go about identifying what needs to happen? How, what, what is your metric or what is your equation or what is your formula for how yeah. you're saying, oh, this is my bottleneck. You said, hey, I stepped in and I realized our customer support needs to be more upsell and Ascension yeah. focused. I stepped in and I realized we need a VP of sales to really be focused on how we're driving you know, new revenue every single month. So what were yeah. the things that you're looking for there? Or what's kind of your formula? My formula, so when I'm looking at a company structure, I look at it like a, it, it's like a wheel that's turning, right? Essentially, I'm going, how can we create a machine that works autonomously? You need marketing that's creating awareness. You need sales that's closing the deals. You need support that's managing the fulfillment. You need finances that's making sure that the money's coming in, that everyone's being paid. And then, you know, it's this loop, right? Yep. And I guess when I'm looking at how a company runs and, and what I did even coming in as CEO now, I'm going, man, it, it's, it's very apparent that things are very disconnected. There's no continuity between what's being marketed and sold versus what's being delivered versus, uh, you know, what the customer's getting. I mean, there was, but it, it just could have been improved. So the first thing that I had to do was actually take a look and say, all right, if there's inefficiency in any part of the business or any team member, then uh, something that I like to do is, is to kind of piggyback people's tasks off of the back of other people's outcomes. So it's kind of like this self-management of a company where I'll say, okay, sales has to, or customer support has to retrieve this information from sales to be able to do their job. And I, that way, they're always connected, right? They're always, um, they're always expecting something from another part of the team or another team member to be able to fulfill their job. So there's actually a pressure, not just from management down, but peer, not peer pressure, but there's, there's pressure peer, from- Peer accountability. Peer accountability yeah. to make sure that everything's working. So when I looked at the company, I saw that it was quite disconnected. And this is because of a couple of things, like different time zones. All three founders live in Australia. 
92% of our customers are US time zone, yeah. right? We're, we're building the team over here. We wake up at about 3 p.m. Central time, you know, at, at 7 a.m. Like, it was basically coming in, seeing the efficiencies and the inefficiencies and going, we need to actually make the team accountable for all other teams as well as for all other team members. And, um, and that was something that I did. So, so drilling in, and I know, you, I know you'd asked me before uh, about the what my, my findings were on the efficiencies and inefficiencies of staff was that there was just no accountability for anyone to do their job. It was a lot of, hey, make sure you get this task, task done. And they could have gotten it done in one hour, two hours, but there was nothing for them to, to push for. There was no metrics. Yep. Like sales, for example, uh, sales should, everyone should be a salesperson, right? But not just sales for the company, but in our industry and what we're doing is coaching, consulting, and, or whatever it is that we're, we're helping people to do, all of us need to be singing the same song. Yeah. We all need to be speaking sales to our clients as well. We all need to be supporting them. So we ended up uh, just branding it as the growth, growth team, right? Growth squad. Yeah. You know, it's like, like hey. It's good. Customer service is now the growth squad. We're growing ourselves. We're helping you grow. We're going to help you succeed. Well, what is success in our industry? Success is growth. So yeah, that, that's been probably the biggest thing that we've been able to do. And might I add, it's not just been me driving it. It's been uh, Kyle, our operations manager, that I've been able to fully empower. Uh, the thing is, he does not do things exactly how I would do them sure. at all. Sure. But he does them in an incredible way that works. Right, and I know that the, the more that I get involved, when I go back to Australia, the more bottlenecks are going to be created. I'd rather empower him, even when a team member comes to me. It's like, hey, 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 this is a great idea, but yeah, have you, you, to, have you talked to Kyle? You talked to Kyle. You did yeah. not start doing something because I do. Because if he's not aware of it, then when he's asked you to do something, you know, you're doing something for Chris. This ain't this ain't going to work. So the importance of line management, efficiency, for accountability sure. across the team, yep. I just find is, is one of my. Uh, I guess it's one of my priorities while we'll build in the company. So oh, that's good. That's really good. Well, man, it's it's been great to talk to you. I'm really impressed with what you guys are doing. I really enjoy uh, getting to connect with you and you and the team every every year. So uh, hopefully you'll make it out to the U.S. a little bit more often. Yeah. Well, that's it, man. Are you, are you moving back anytime soon? Yeah. Well, so I'm here for three months right okay. now. Yeah. Right. Just to do what we were just yeah. speaking about. Yeah. Get everything in place. Yeah. Um, I'll go back to Australia for our summer, Jen, maybe till March, yeah. and then I'll determine what's going to happen. Whether I have to come back or uh, whether we can do things from there or we'll see but it's just good to kind of be around yeah. the states 100% good to be 100%. around barbecue I mean yeah. Texas is fun I love smoking are you, you're living where I'm, are you? I'm living in Illinois that's right you said you mentioned southern that. Where, Illinois like in, what, what city it's called Effingham yeah try that's, not to laugh when you say awesome. that one out loud yeah it's basically smack bang in the middle of uh St. Louis and Indianapolis. Okay. It's like right there. It's a big like crossroad. Like on I-70 yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's actually a really fun town. There's some incredible entrepreneurs there. An incredible workspace that I'm working out of with a good friend of mine. That, and another good friend of mine uh, runs a program called the CEO Program, the uh, Center for Entrepreneurship. They basically, they go into different counties across America and they, they, they run high school programs for young entrepreneurs, cool. right? And it actually the credits actually go towards their, their studies. And every morning they're meeting up, they're, they're, they've got mentors of local businesses. They're learning about finances, about strategy. They, they get to work on their, their yearly project where they actually monetize it, you know, before the year's out. They're doing pitch competitions and Love it's that. something- uh, Can you whenever, imagine if we would have had that? Man, I honestly, I wish that we had that. And I always go back and, and Austin, uh, he's, he's the CEO of that the, the organization. And he always gets me to, 
to go and speak at a couple of the schools of the local counties. And I always say that, I wish I had this, you know, like the lessons that we had to learn, you know, the money that we had to lose. I mean, it, it, it's almost priceless, geez, that the seven figures over time that- Oh yeah, for sure. That, But it's just like paying your own school fees, you yep. know, but it's the time that's lost. And it's like, I mentorship and, and just always uh, being willing to learn is, is so important as well. It's probably the number one trait that I see in successful business owners is yeah. their willingness to learn and their willingness to act on what their coaches tell them. Yeah. So many folks are like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And then they get distracted by whatever other shiny object or whatever they think is important. Yeah. And you're like, no, your coach is there for a reason. Uh, your mentor's there for a reason. And so I think that's, man, what a, what a cool thing it sounds like Austin's doing. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I'll, I'd love to get you guys connected even for just sure. to, uh, they're always looking for ways to um, to support the younger guys and, and looking for speakers. If we got five, two more minutes, I want sure. to ask you yeah, one yeah. more question, Shoot. just for the for the sake of the um, the content as well. But I I want to talk. I, I actually want to ask you like the impact of what impact has your relationship with God had on business, right? And and I guess the way that you guys strategize, the way that you talk, you you spoke about the culture that you want to build. Um, yeah, I'd love to know. Oh man, that's such a. Uh... That's such a big question because I really think that we we just desire to create uh, a place that is that is healthy and to to work at and to uh, you know trust with your your customers all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. That is at the same time we know it's not going to be perfect, and so I think the number one thing where and especially we were talking in a remote situation. And yeah. in a workplace, uh, sharing faith is a, especially in the U.S., that's like a frowned upon, a frowned upon thing, right? Because in a in a more of a conversation like this, or more of a conversation one on one with somebody, if if you've built that trust, that's something that you can that's something that you can share uh, genuinely and yeah. authentically. And so that that makes it a challenge. And so we desire to create a place that is just a. Uh, a safe place where people can do great work. They enjoy the people that they work with, and they know that they are growing mm. and uh, in, in their in their career and in their in their life. Um, and so, I think one of the ways that we do that is we recognize that just the people people aren't perfect, yeah. and we are going to have grace when they when they when they screw up because we screw up. I screw up daily, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the ways is just in the overall culture is just recognizing that like yeah, of course we as a business we need to make money, we need to grow. We need to be successful, but at the same time, what is more important is the relationships that we have with our team and our, and our customers to show them that there is a different, uh, a different life that can be that can be lived and experienced. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's so probably more, one of the ways. So so what you're talking about is more like the the culture, the foundations in, in which you guys lead and manage. It's the the principles, right? So you're trying to build your team in a way that that represents your morals, the principles in which you founded your life on. Um, the way that you would want to live is the the team that you want to have, right? Yeah, and we're not always perfect at it. Like of there are a hundred, you know, we, we've made mistakes many, many times, and so I think it's also being, you know, being able to have grace with ourselves, which is always, I think, harder maybe than having grace with other other people. At least I'm very bad at having grace with myself. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's um, good. What, that's what about you guys, or what about you personally? Yeah, I think I think very similar. You know, I I want to be the same person in front of my family, in front of my wife, my parents, my employees, my customers. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think for me, it's important to try and be that same person. Something I've always struggled with, and, and one of my mentors and, and pastors has always kind of said and challenged me on is like, you got like your faith and Christianity and in, in one hand and your business in the other hand. 
And he's like, you, you almost treat them like two different things. Mm. He's like, you've, you've got to find over the, these coming years how to, to make it all one in the same. Like yeah. you, your giftings, the skill sets, the way that you lead, the, the, the gifts that you have, the personality that you are. That, that you possess, um, the energy that you bring, like it's it's all God given. It's all because of who you are. It's all because of, you know, especially the groundwork that was put in when I was very young, teenager, twenties, um, into, into my relationship with God. It's formed who we are now. Like we probably won't change much, you know. Once you've hit thirty, you probably, you know, the the percentage of of how much of an iteration of yourself you'll be, you know. I feel like once you've hit 30, you're probably going to be a similar kind of person at 50, 60, plus or minus a few life experiences, sure. you know what I mean? So so for me, it's um, it's just trying to be deliberate about being consistent. Um, you know, and again, like what you said, having grace in yourself, like we stuff up sometimes, you know, we, we do things and we think, man, I wish I didn't do that. But something I've been really inspired by recently is a lot of um you know call them internet gurus or whatever i mean you feel like everyone's a guru these days you know because sure. everyone's just getting a following on social media yeah but i've been really impressed at the amount of people that come out and just be so open about their faith in god and i think man they're, they're really making that part of their brand and it's important to them and it's something i've recently been challenged about because i'm like i've never really discussed it ever and meeting people that are of the same mindset and, and have the same convictions morals that are in the same space has been really encouraging mm. to go man we're all just doing this, you know, like this is like, it's behind the scenes, but, but why not be that impact and be that influence on, on our community? And if it's not us literally sitting there talking about God, you know, Jesus or our beliefs or whatever, it's just being that person with the morals in the room, bringing that joy, bringing that peace, uh, not buying into like that um, de deceiving kind of comparison and comp competitive nature. It's like being rock solid, right? right? And just kind of expressing who we are all the time, you know, the yeah. person that we want to be. And, yeah. I, and I feel like that's important in business and it comes with a with a, like an aura or a feeling that people take away after they've interacted yeah. with us, you know? And I, I think that's what's important to me, um, just knowing that someone's had a good experience of me and I've represented God and my life with Him yeah. and that they've been able to walk away with maybe a smile, a bit of encouragement, a bit of empowerment because that's the way I've chosen to live my life based on whose I am, right? And I think that's the impact that we can have on an everyday level yep. without having to go, or without needing to go too far as to sit there and start, you know, preaching to people. Yeah. But, um, yeah I how guess do you, uh, how do you, well, no, that, that's, really, that's really good. I think it's that, that consistency is so key because stuff is gonna come up throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year, where it's like, yeah. oh, how do, you, how do you react under pressure? What is your, you know, what, what do you like to your team or your clients when things are going poorly? Like not everything goes well, yeah. um, if, I, you know, I think we all wish it did. <laughs> but um, that is, I think if you're, like you're saying, if you're able to, to maintain consistency regardless of the stakes, regardless of the yeah. context, regardless of that, and we're not always perfect at that, um, I do think that's where I see the most conversations then spring up about how are you, you know, what, what, so that I think that's I think that's so good. I think that consistency um, and yeah. and that's is is so underrated um, as a as like a character trait. And I think that's something that a relationship with God actually inherently provides you because you're no longer uh, 
the the ups and downs n are, are no longer what guide your yeah. actions and reactions. Yeah, your your character is is if your character is consistent. I think it's always being aware of the perception that people will have in that moment. I mean, just sometimes like launching out an, an employee, like I, I, I don't ever see that as a good idea where they stuffed up. I mean, if it was intentional, there's a there's a, a different attitude that you'd have versus if someone accidentally screwed up. I mean, geez, I've had, we had one of our VAs. Oh man, here's a funny story. So, you know, in the, the industry that we're in, which is a lot of outbound, uh, we did a lot of setups for clients, buying domains, setting up, you know, DNS records yeah. and SMTPs and, and all of this kind of thing. And we had a VA that was in our, our Namecheap account that was buying URLs and, um, uh -oh. you know, $10 URLs. You know, we just include that with a plan and whatnot for the year. Sure. And um, we got a bill once. <laughs> Four and a half thousand dollar domain was purchased, right? And and we just kind of were like, no, let's be calm. It, it, you know, we. I mean, this is like the yearly... Uh -huh. Salary, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, or a good chunk of it. We're like, that, that's okay. We we can solve this. We can get a refund. We can. And anyway, it turned out we we were not able to get a refund on that domain, and it just gutted us. I mean, this was in the early days, and that was a lot of money, 100%. right? That was like we could have taken that. We could have put that into marketing. Yep. And um, it's just knowing how to interact and knowing how to handle yourself under pressure, knowing how to handle yourself when when the problems come. I think that as owners, as leaders, we. You have to think differently. You can't be in the issue. You've always got to be thinking, and this is the hard part, it's juggling, okay, people are looking at me to see, see how I respond to this. I also need to actually solve the problem. I also need to be a good example to my staff and employees, but I also need to maintain the character that I have. And yes, someone screws up. You need to make sure that they're never going to do it again. Like they need to know yeah. that they've stuffed up yeah. and know why, and but then put a plan in place to mitigate those risks for next time. And then you got to decide if you're able to move on and kind of put it behind you, or if you have to take further action depending on the severity of this sure. issue. And um, I guess for me, like I've, I've just learned that you can stay calm, cool and collected on the outside in most situations. Um, there's not many situations where it would otherwise be expected for you to to launch out and, and I think people do expect that but that comes back to the character that you want to have who do you want to be known by uh, who do you want to what do you want to be known for you know to be full of grace mercy um, but but rock solid in the way that you lead and you know it, it's it's kind of this it's a decision that you actually have to make so yeah that's what I'd say has been important in those situations for me it's the deciding in every situation who do I want to be how do I want to be known what character integrity do I want to display right now in this situation when I have the full authority and, and permission to go off tap and to go a bit crazy, but no, I'm gonna do this in a way that, that has the best outcome for everyone and I'll cop the loss with a smile on my face if necessary, but yeah. you know, so that's what I'd say. No, so. I think that's, man, that is, uh, that's well well said. One of our core values is, um, so the, our core values are alliterative to the, to the month or the day of the week and so it's Fail Forward Friday and it's the <laughs> idea that I am very willing to make mistakes, but I do not repeat yes. mistakes. And so that is, that's kind of how we live good. that one out. Um, well, I'll, I'll end us with a, you gave me a story, so I'll end us with a quick story. Let's do it. Um, somebody asked me probably about three months ago, like, hey, what are you most proud about in what you've built? And I had to like sit back and think about it. And I was like, well, it's not the, it's not actually the monetary uh, or, you know, monetary growth or success that the companies have had. It's not the amount of clients that we've served, these are all great things, mm. but it actually made me think of one employee uh, that I was like, oh, I think this is what I'm most uh, most proud about. And it was an employee that came pretty much to us right out of high school, didn't go to college, 
And about six months in, she uh, she just up and stopped coming to work. Yeah. And we were like, oh, man, like that's that's tough. Like, let's just reach out to her, see what's going on. And it, we were able to get a hold of her, and her just her personal life was just kind of falling apart. And so she said, like, I can't give the time needed to, to like do my personal life and this job. Like, you guys have been fine, but I, I got to take care of this. And we said, well, how about how about this? How about you just take a month of leave? We'll keep paying you. And at that time, we'll, we'll reconnect and see if it's right for you to, to, to come back. And she said, okay. Came back, and for the next two years, she was like one of our top performers, wow. moved from you know employee to, to team lead, was Amazing. probably headed on her way to, to manager. And I, I put that next part in the past tense because about pretty recently, she disappeared again. Uh, and then we got a hold of her, and now she's 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 not coming back. So it was so funny to me because it was this thing that I was like, ah, oh, we did the right thing. Yeah, pat on and the now, back. And now this is going to be this story of redemption, and it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. So, but hey, you um, did the right thing. You did what you needed to do, and you learn for next time, I guess. Maybe there was something different. Maybe yeah. this. Maybe you do it all again. Well, and that's where you just like in the end, you ask this question. It's like, what what, what do I want to do? Is I just want to trust. Yeah. I just want to trust because I can't control everything, and if yep. I try to control everything, it's um, we know it's not going to work out. Yeah, so, Chris, great. thank you. This was great. We'll uh, great chat. We, we, we might have to figure out how to do it more often. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Thank you. 